Well, good morning. Good morning. As Tracy, Pastor Tracy said, I'm Karen Haran. I'm so glad to be with you all this morning. Um, I've, I've teased because I, I was a part of a local church for 12 years where I preached every single Sunday. And when I was called to be a part of the conference office, I've been begging for people to come and to let me come and preach. And I was so excited when Pastor Tracy invited me. And I keep saying, I promise I won't take out my lack of preaching by preaching too long this morning. I hope everyone received a, an index card and, and a pencil as you came out. You don't need them now, but you will need them in a bit, so be sure you hang on to them. When Pastor Tracy talked about your sermon series, Like, Share, and Follow, that this is a way that we can really look faithfully at our own growing and learning, and then encouraging our youth and young adults to, to grow and learn as well. But really, when I was asked to talk and to be addressing the youth, I thought this really isn't just for youth, is it? This is really for all of us. And when I thought about the title, Like, Share, and Follow, I have to admit I thought more about this, just, just about Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and uh, Snapchat, all the different social media ways, right? How many of you know about all of those? Facebook, Twitter, right? Snapchat, all of those things. I, sometimes I can't keep up with all the different formats and all the different ways on social media that we can connect with one another. And it's great that we can connect. It really is. I love receiving Snapchats, yes, from my two-year-old grandson. And I love being able to do my video Snapchat back to him. But if I wasn't careful, I would begin to think that maybe this kind of social media replaces relationships. Because I see his face and I hear his voice, but I, and he can see mine, but it's just not really the same, is it? It's a one-dimensional, it's, it's flat, it's not a real relationship, but it is a way of staying connected. And so if we're not careful, we might begin to use social media more as a means for relationship rather than just a means to stay connected. But at the same time, we can use the connection to be the means for relationship. Does that make sense? How do we use that and think of it as a tool? I started thinking, I mean, how did people used to stay connected? Well. Uh, way back in, in the 50s and probably beyond that, I know I remember hearing about that there would be a main drag in every town, right? And you would get in your car and you would drive up and down the drag if you were a teenager until you could find where your friends were. Now, I always tease because my husband has a white truck and I hardly can pick it out of a, out of a parking lot. But back in the day, I knew it exactly what his car looked like. I knew how to find him by his vehicle because that's, that's what we had. You would drive up and down, you'd congregate maybe at a drive-in diner or some other place to figure out what's going on. Even in my day, in, in high school, there was always one place that you went after the football game so that you knew where the after party was. You didn't go anywhere until you went to Mr. Gaddy's Pizza or at least in the parking lot because then you knew where to go and where the action was for the night. But if we weren't driving around trying to find each other, then another way we would stay connected would be this. 
Yes, that's actually a telephone connected to a wall. Kids, you may have never seen such a thing. I remember how lucky I was that the telephone in our kitchen that was attached to the wall had a long enough cord that I could stretch it out the kitchen and into, yes, see, into the laundry room where I felt like I could speak in private. It really wasn't ever private because the door can't close, right, with the cord sticking out. But this was the ways that we stayed connected. Now, I'm not one to advocate the good old days or that sort of a thing, but what I will say is that we had to work harder to be in relationship and to be connected because it wasn't as easy as social media or a mobile phone or things are like that today. And I think as we work on relationship, then we have the means to just, I don't know, maybe value it differently. When we have to work harder, it becomes more important. So how did the first disciples with Jesus get connected? Well, they, like us, were human beings, and so they wanted to know what was in, right? What was the buzz? What was going on? And at least through the Gospel of John, John the Baptist was the buzz. Everybody was talking about this crazy man out in the wilderness, in, around the Jordan River. He was baptizing people, which was very different, by the way, than doing the ceremonial washings or cleansing ceremonies at the temple in the Jewish tradition. No, he's out baptizing for repentance. He's eating wild locusts and honey and wearing a camel hair. The guy was crazy, but everybody wanted to see. He was kind of the happening thing. And so people would travel, it says, from near and far, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, everyone went out to see John the Baptist and they'd say, are you the Messiah? Now that would seem like a funny question, except for people of the day actually expected the Messiah to come. In today's world, I would say they expected God to show up in a powerful way. Sometimes I think we forget to expect God to show up, but they, they expected. And so they asked him, are you the Messiah? Are you the one? He'd say, no, no, it's not me. Well, are you the prophet Elijah? Are you a prophet? No, I am the one who has come to prepare the way for the Lord. One who is coming, who is greater than me. And as John had people asking questions and following him as disciples, he tells them the story of Jesus being baptized. I always think it's interesting that the Gospel of John is the only Gospel where we don't actually experience ourselves. We're not first-hand witnesses to Jesus being baptized. He gives this testimony, John does. He says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. You see, John shared what he knew with others. He told the story, but a testimony just isn't enough. I mean, isn't that true? We can tell and tell and tell people about the things that we love, but sometimes we need to experience it. Much like Jenny needed those kids to, to actually taste those plantains, to experience it for themselves. 
We too need an experience with Jesus, not just a story told to us. I mean, I'm not making fun of anyone, but I can look at your pictures on Facebook of what you had for dinner last night all the time. I can even click it and say I like it, but until I actually go to the restaurant or to your house to taste it myself, I cannot truly experience and know how good it is. The same is true with us in faith. We cannot live off of someone else's experience of Jesus. Amen? We need to have our own. And so John, after he told the followers, those who are following him about Jesus, one day Jesus came walking through and he pointed and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There he is. Go see for yourself. But it didn't take the first time, but the second before the disciples knew. So listen for God's word as we come to the, our scripture for today. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 35 through 46. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. Now you will be called Cyphus, which, mean, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. I love this encounter with Jesus and these disciples. Jesus is just brilliant. I mean, I guess we could probably say Jesus is brilliant all the time, right? But I especially like this because here are these two disciples, followers of John, and what feels like a very fickle jumping, right? They're following John, and then suddenly they decide they're going to follow Jesus. Just like that. They believe John's testimony, and off they go. But what does Jesus do? He turns around and he looks at them and he says, what do you want? Now, I don't know about you, but that would make me a little nervous. What do you want? Why are you following me? But what we don't hear in that exchange, the word, what do you, the word want, is really a little even more pointed than that. What Jesus is asking them is, what do you desire? What are you seeking? What is it that you are searching for? 
You see, that's a little different, isn't it? It's kind of that, let's get to the bottom of the matter kind of a question. And then these disciples, I think, give probably the dorkiest answer ever. Um, where are you staying? Really? That's all you got, guys? Where are you staying? Now, again, interestingly, in English it sounds one way, but in the Greek, the word to stay has a much deeper meaning. It's not a word-for-word -word kind of a thing, but it's asking, where do you dwell or abide? In other words, it's what do you um, stand for or what is it that you're standing in that is eternal? It would be more like saying, what is your philosophy? How are you connected to something bigger than yourself? Where do you abide? Where are you staying? Now I can almost imagine Jesus stopping and kind of smiling like, do you mean physically? Or do you mean this deeper, eternal way? But either way, Jesus doesn't respond with anything other than, well, come. Come and you will see. He invited them into an experience, not just telling them to observe. And so they go. It says that they spent the day with him, and I'm assuming it was about 4 o'clock when, when Andrew then leaves and goes to find his brother Simon. Now he tells the story, right? He's sharing his story with his older brother, and he comes to say, we found the one, the Messiah. And so he comes, Simon does. I often wonder what it was that convicted Andrew to go and find his brother. But in just spending the few hours with Jesus, something had to have happened. And so as his brother comes to see Jesus, everything changes now for Simon, including his name. You will be no longer Simon, but Peter, the rock. Some, trans, some um, gospels say the rock on which we will build the church, right? It's an experience that now Peter has had. And then it says the next day, Jesus goes to find Philip. Now people have wondered, we only know the name of the one disciple who was following John who jumped and followed Jesus, right? We know that was Andrew. And there's been all kinds of questions if the second was Philip or the second was John, the writer of the gospel himself. But either way, Jesus finds Philip and invites him, said, commands him, follow me. Now to follow me in that language right there, it could mean just to accompany me like a follow the leader kind of a thing. But the other deeper meaning is, is to, a, to be like me. To follow means to be the same way as someone is. So Jesus is saying, be like me. Don't just click like me. Do you hear the difference? Be like me. Don't just like me. It's a deeper relationship. It's about transformation. And so Jesus invites Philip to follow him, to be like him, and he does. As a matter of fact, Philip does almost exactly the same thing that we've seen Jesus do for him, and we watched Andrew do with his brother. He went and found his friend Nathaniel. We found the one, the Messiah. 
Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And then we hear that funny line again, right? Can, really, can anything good come from Nazareth? And again, Philip says, come and see. Don't take my word for it. Come yourself and see. So look what happens next as we keep reading in John chapter 1. It says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Truly, it, this is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things. Then he added, Very truly I tell you, you will see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You see, Jesus was saying to Nathanael, I see you. Not only do I see you now, but I have seen you and known you since you were first born. Now, we don't get all of that as we hear him talking about sitting under the fig tree. Oftentimes, people assume that Philip was literally under the fig tree when, when um, his friend Philip came. But no, Nathaniel, actually, women, when they had children, in the heat of the day, they would go and find a fig tree with a big, you know, dense, thick leaves, and they would sit under a fig tree and nurse their child and leave them there if they had to go and do work to be protected underneath the coolness of the shade of the fig tree. So when Jesus was saying, I saw you under the fig tree, he was saying, I have known you and loved you your whole life. And I can see that there is no deceit in you. You know, I think, I think Jesus says the same thing to us sometimes. I see you. I know you. And I have loved you since you were first conceived, since you were born. So come and follow me. Be like me. Don't just like me. Nathaniel needed an experience of Jesus, an encounter, and I think we do too. Not just a story, but you see it starts with a story that we share so that we can have others find their own encounter. So I want to tell you just a, a quick story. At the church where I last served, we, we eventually had a service under the I-35 bridge there in New Braunfels called Church by the River. It started really not that way, but eventually it became a worship service and we did food and clothes and other things for homeless and for those who simply can't make it from month to month. And all of a sudden a man by the name of Joe showed up at Church by the River. Now he wasn't actually homeless, he either slept in his car or he slept on other people's couches. He was an alcoholic and a drug addict. Sometimes he came high and sometimes he was more sober, but he always needed something and some help. A nice guy, but just kind of a mess, you know what I mean? Well, one of the volunteers is named Ernesto, and for whatever reason, Ernesto and Joe connected with one another. 
And Ernesto, on the times that Joe didn't have a car, would make sure he got what he needed or got to where he needed. Oftentimes, Joe would work, but because he either slept in a vehicle or on somebody's couch or even outside, he, he didn't have a shower. So he, Ernesto would make sure he'd get to the church to what we call Steve's pantry for food or clothes or a shower. Now, Ernesto constantly invited Joe to come to church, and, and Joe was like, no, 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 I can't ever actually come in. But the people are so nice in Steve's pantry, Joe would say. Well, I don't know how Ernesto did it, but one day, Joe actually came. He came into the church, you know, he got some donuts and a breakfast taco that we do, and, all, and he couldn't believe how nice people were. Now, this happened for a bit, and I wish I actually knew the story of how and when Jesus connected with him, but he did. Because one day, Ernesto called and said, he's ready. I can't believe he's finally ready. He wants to go to rehab. Can the church help? So we gathered some money, we gathered some people, we gathered whatever resources we needed, and we got Joe into rehab and then into a sober living house. And now he's been clean and sober for almost three years. It's amazing. The church didn't save Joe. God saved Joe. But God used the church and people like Ernesto, who love God, and who would say to Joe again and again, come and see the God that I love through the church that I love. And as Joe did, then God can do what only God can do. You see, sometimes, church, you and I are the only scripture or the only example of God's love that people of the world will ever see. Think about that. How you love others is how they may experience God's love. You see, it starts not just by liking Jesus, but by loving Jesus. And then as we love Jesus, then we need to share, right? Share how Jesus has changed our life, or, or sometimes we don't even have to use words to share. Our actions can be the very thing that we share. Because I know sometimes people are like, I don't know how to talk about Jesus. I always say, just love people enough and bring him here, and Pastor Tracy and, and Lisa, they'll tell you about Jesus, right? But then we, we not only share, but then we're invited to follow. And as we follow and become who, more like who Christ is, then we connect people not only to the church, but to Christ. And so that's really where this leads to today. Will you be the one who might invite or bring someone to come and experience Christ? Maybe in this place or in some other place. But will you follow Jesus enough to invite someone to come and to see? Because your story, your, your life experience with Jesus is awesome, but people need to have their own experience of Christ. And so how do you do that? Well, this is where this little card comes in today. If you'll get this out, and, and in just a minute, we're going to pray. The music's going to play a little bit. Um, 
And what I'd like you to do is to begin to think about who it is in your world, in your life, those that you might encounter, who might need to know the love of Christ in their life, who might need to be reminded that they are known and they are seen and they are loved. So when we pray in just a minute, you might be thinking about a name and you can take that pencil and, and write it down. Not once, but I want you to write it twice, like as if you fold it in half, right? Once at the top and once at the bottom. You may not actually know their name. It might be the lady at the grocery store or the person that you see at the convenience store when you get coffee every morning. But what we're going to do is pray about who it is that perhaps you might be able to share or to invite to come and see and experience God's love for themselves. So as music plays, will you, will you pray with me? So God, I just pray that you would, um, you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us and that we would be open to listen. God, you love the world so much that you sent your son. And you love the world so much today that you send us out into the world to be your hands and your feet, your words of comfort and hope. God, who is it that we need to see this week or next? Who is it that might be invisible to the rest of the world or are those who make it look like they've got their whole life together when things might really be falling apart? Who needs to hear the words that they are seen and loved and known and accepted right where they are? God, give us those names and those faces. And as we write them down on this card, God, then give us a fresh anointing that we can be brave enough, that we can risk enough to go and say, you are loved. Come and see. Come and know this Christ who already knows and loves you. So as you uh, feel led in just a moment, I'll invite you again to make sure you've got the names or the descriptions on two parts and that you actually just tear this card in half. I'm going to invite you to come up to the altar and, and to place half of that card on the altar as a, as a way that this church can be praying for those that don't yet or need a new experience with Christ. But keep one for yourself to remind yourself to have eyes to see. And as you come and, and put the card in the basket, Pastor Tracy and Pastor Lisa will hand you a card that you can then take home, maybe two or three, keep with you. And as you encounter these people, invite them to this place. You are a good and loving church who can welcome people, who can say, come and see the one who loves the one who loves so much that they gave their life for you. And come and see this amazing community of faith who will share in that love with others. So as you feel led, just come on up and offer those that you know or don't know to Christ.
Let's pray. And so, God, as we offer these lives to you, we pray that your Holy Spirit will open and make a way for us to connect with them so that they can come to see and to know you. And God, as we lift these up, we also pray, pray a blessing upon our offering as our ushers come forward, that not only are we offering our time and our energy to reach out into the world for those that you already know and love, but let us give our, our resources as well to glorify you and so that this community of faith can continue to be the place where others can know you and your love. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.